Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Los Luchadores! Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast episode number 114. Fredo Esparza here. Lots of news on this week's episode. Originally, I planned on doing this just a, you know, a recap of the anniversary show, maybe a a couple of other things to talk about, but um, we had the big story change on us right as the anniversary show was coming to an end. Uh, A lot of news was going on. For those who haven't heard, the big news is Rush and Dragon Lee are gone from CMLL. Uh, depending on who you ask, uh, Rush was either Rush declared himself an independent, so he left. But if you believe what CML said, they fired him. Um, I tend to believe more the wrestler than the promotion because Rush actually did make the announcement earlier, so he kind of gets the the benefit of the doubt on this one. And then Dragon Lee got the news, and he was very much surprised by this. Uh, we're going to basically do a timeline of what's been going on with CMLL um, in the past and why this came about, um, not only with Russian and Dragon Lee, but also um, I thought it was a good way to like get to the to the recap of the anniversary show because there was a lot of things that went on with that as well. Basically, if you were if you were getting ready to watch the anniversary show on Friday night, um, you were more concerned about how you weren't able to watch the show live. If you couldn't attend the show, you were basically trying to figure out how to watch it live, whether it would be available via CMLL, Fight TV, and Ring of Honor's Honor Club um, service. Um, there was a lot of other things that that, that came about. And um, what ended up happening was like everybody was busy complaining about that stuff. And um, every, every time CMLL would tweet any um, result or any um, fall during the... The anniversary you would see like a couple of fans just like uh, like you know with cursing at them and being very um some very unflattering comments to the 
the CML Twitter account. Unfortunately, that doesn't go to the actual people that it should go to. Um, it's basically just going to Alexis Salazar or whoever else is handling the the Twitter account on that night, uh, and not to you know the you know the the Lutherell family or the programming department. But a lot of negative uh, feedback towards that. It was not a good night for CML. Friday was a was one of the the low points for CMLL. Um, it's not something that's new for CML, CMLL because um, I'll talk about how in the past, as I go through this, I'll also talk about in the past how, you know, this is something that's been part of CML's existence going back to the, when it first started. And really once once wrestlers started to have a little more power within, you know, the, the business, uh, this always became something that, that, that would come about. There's stories going back to the 1960s of, of you know, um, wrestlers leaving EMLL because they had issues with them or EMLL actually firing guys because because they they weren't happy with them or or wanted them to take pay cuts and they weren't very thrilled about that and then we also have a lot of like when the you know when ownership the bosses change the people who run the 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 everyday business of of the on the wrestling side when that changes there's always a a, a change within the promotion uh, as far as talent not being very happy with who's going to take over. And oddly enough, the person that's kind of behind the, some of the decisions going on now was also part of why some of the guys back in 1974, 75 started leaving. And really ha- the how the the El Toreo promotion actually started was partially this um, this gentleman's fault. It's it's a it's an interesting um, just an overall the the whole situation is a very very strange. I mean, over the last year, we've heard a lot of um, CML wrestlers. If you've watched Informa or heard them on interviews or talked to them, even some in um, privately, going back to um, late 2018, there was a lot of guys who were already kind of talking about how CML was so repetitive. Um, they were constantly doing the same matches over and over again. It it the 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 lineups just looked the same every single time there was no real difference between the 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 Puebla show the Tuesday show the 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 Friday Sunday or even the Saturday shows I mean the Saturday shows at one point they were actually doing something a little different and that kind of just went back to being the same thing and there really is no difference they started bringing in a lot of independent talent you started seeing Penta Cero M Ray Phoenix um L.A. Park, his son, and then later on you had Sieber the main man. Actually, even before that, you had Sieber the main man and the clan, and um, a couple of other people started showing up. Earlier in the year, you had the guys who, when when they worked out the deal with the crash. You had some of the crash guys like um, the Mecca Wolf 450 and Adam Brooks. But it wasn't as as the as as 2018 came to an end, and 2019 started up. There was fewer and fewer independent talent coming into CMLL. So it was just back to the you know the same old same old you know Volador Jr. and Ultimo Guerrero headlining shows and basically doing being the top guys. That's something that a lot of people like. They they kind of view Roosh at that level, Roosh and Dragon Lee at that level. But CMLL for the longest time, I would say going back maybe even two three years ago, they've always kind of kept Roosh and Dragon Lee. Uh, not necessarily they were kind of top guys but they were never really the guys who were going to get that big match uh, on an anniversary show and if it was on a dos leyenda show it's going to be a tag match dragon lee did the mascara match but um other other than that there was always like this you know you never got the vibe of it more of them you know constantly being the top guys on 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 every friday show so you would basically get like a rushed main event 
So, you know, and it wasn't just them. I mean, it's it's everybody other than Ultimo Guerrero. And um, really, Ultimo Guerrero is the only one that doesn't get the, the rushed main event treatment. Um, his his main events, main event feuds tend to last a little longer, um, you, with especially with Seabird, the main man, the last, what, couple of months. This has been going on and off for the longest time. But um, while this was all going on, you started hearing a lot of the, the CML wrestlers when they would do appearances on Informa or even on interviews, they would constantly talk about how the repetition in the matches. Um, later, as the year continued, you started getting like Dragon Lee and Roosh constantly bringing it up, and how they wanted new opponents. They wanted, they were very excited to see guys like LA Park, um, Penta, and Phoenix come in. They wanted the guys from the Crash to come in. Um, they wanted more indie talent to come in just because they wanted something different. Um, Dragon Lee would even go as far as say that they he thought that. And even um, not just Dragon Lee, Volador Jr., Nero Casa, Sobrano Jr., several of these guys have talked about how, you know, they wish that they could work with like even the undercard guys just because um, the lower tiered guys, just because, I mean, they get so tired of working against the same guys, the same matches. And, you know, the undercard guys do the same, say the same thing about the same matches that they're in. And you've seen a few of those guys leave. So this has been building up throughout the year. As the year went on, like I said, there were fewer independent wrestlers showing up to the point where it was basically just Seber the main man. I mean, not even the clan guys were, were with him. It was more so Seber the main man. And every once in a while, you would see the Chris or or Charlie Rockstar. Gilbert kind of got a little few, a little more of a, appearances. I get the feeling that Seber really, uh, when he kind of decided he really want, didn't want to do the hair match, that's when you kind of started getting Gilbert more involved. And then... Big Daddy was already somebody who was training with um with Ultimo Guerrero. So he him and 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 uh he's more of a guy who you know who was already there in Mexico. So, you know, that's not that, that I wouldn't consider him one of the guys that they were bringing him as an independent. So that kept going on. Then the whole thing with the TV situation, um CML switching over to Televisa or actually getting on Televisa and then AAA switching over to TV Azteca. That pretty much eliminated Penta and, and, and Ray Phoenix being a part of both shows. Yeah, so so then you have basically the Lucha Brothers getting pulled off the Dos Leyendas show. And it just continued on with, with how little they were using them. I think LA Park only worked the the Liger retirement show and made a couple of other appearances. But other than that, it really wasn't... After that, he wasn't, he wasn't on as much. Or even, I don't think he's been on since then. Um, the... I think the big turning point for everything that, you know, with the disgruntled workers or the disgruntled CML employees came about, you know, Paco Alonso passed away on July 6th. And it kind of seemed like that. One of the things that that kind of seemed like it, it caused a, a bit of a change. And one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that when Paco Alonso ran CMLL, there was, even though guys would leave, it wasn't like guys were leaving because they wanted to. It was more because, you know, they weren't giving, being given the, the opportunities and they kind of weren't really, um, they weren't, they kind of felt like if they could talk to Paco Alonso that maybe he could convince them to stay. Usually that, I mean, for the most part, that wouldn't happen because he would usually give them their blessing to leave. But it was mostly, it was mostly more of a, you know, there was more of a loyalty towards Paco Alonso than what 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 would follow afterwards that, that's that's a big thing in, in, in pro wrestling i mean if you see some of the promotions that have existed if there's like a if there's a promoter that that is well liked by the talent odds are the talent's going to stick by him a little longer and 
they're willing to go, you know, it would have to, the, the ship would completely have to be sinking for them to actually just leave. In this case, and, you know, on, honestly, for the most part, if you look at a lot of the promotions, um, if you go back in time, a lot of them, when, when, the, when, when they're coming to an end, they were, were usually run by promoters who weren't very well liked. I think the, the whole thing with WCW, when guys were leaving towards the end, when, when Crockett kind of sold the promotion, that was really when, when a lot of those guys made the jump to WWE. And you know, there was other, you know, other promoters that kind of didn't have that level of, um, the wrestlers didn't have that trust with them. I mean, you look at ECW with Paul Heyman, that promotion went on for a, for really what ex- extended their time mostly because guys had, you know, believed in Paul Heyman as a booker, but weren't as um real, they did not trust him as a as a financial you know guru so that was really where their downfall they should have probably left a little sooner some whoever some of the guys who stuck around a little longer so with Paco passing that kind of led to a a fracture within the promotion where that loyalty towards CML kind of was no longer there because the person that had that that they actually gave that to um you know was no longer there so it took Sofia Alonso, it kind of led to Sofia Alonso kind of taking over. And when she took over, one of the first things she did was hold a meeting with the with talent and the employees. And just like to give them a little bit more of a, a, a morale boost, a little bit more of a vote of confidence for her as far as what the promotion was going to continue becoming. You know, because there was going to be changes, honestly. I think there was going to be changes no matter what. And it kind of led to a little bit of a peace within the promotion because a lot of the guys had a little more faith but at the same time you kind of started noticing that um certain people were starting to gain a little more power within the promotion um ultimo girls basically now one of the main guys in the promotion and you see how much power he has in the promotion uh he he i mean you just see the 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 zebra the main man feud which has been horrible has continued on and it's really been because of ultimo girl really being behind that feud um dallas has gained a lot of power within the women's division uh, to the point where she very rarely loses uh wins 99 percent of her matches uh and even when she loses she does it in a way where um it doesn't where she makes her opponent look bad um there's other people um the the D- dinamitas have gained a little bit more power although i think with this um with the the follow-up change their power was a little bit more um their power is more of them being connected to the Lutroth family and also being connected to ultimo guerrero guerrero so they're pretty much they're pretty much locked in where they're going to be able to kind of remain with some sort of power at the moment but there's always that risk that it could all change on them at any given time. So everything kind of seemed like, you know, you even had the story about how how um, Sofia Alonso um, called in Silhouetta to make her return. And then, you know, later on you had um, the whole Guadalajara office change with Magnum, the, the, the person who had power within the office getting fired. And Silhouetta coming back, getting to work there. And then you saw a lot of the guys who had left the Guadalajara office um, promotion Returning like El Gallo, Rayman, um, I think Javier Cruz Jr., a couple of other guys, Omar Brunetti, um, all those guys made their way back. So back in early August, there was a lot of stories about who was running, who was handling the behind the scenes things in, in CMLL. Chavo Lutroth the third was actually seen backstage at a CMLL show. So then everybody immediately started talking about how he was now a little more involved. One of the things that was that was brought up 
CML's um, former employee of CML, Miguel Reducindo, who has been working now with um, the Mas Lucha guys, he's been doing a lot of their podcasts. He made an appearance and started talking about how the how CML's um, the the people who run the promotion, who who has power within the promotion, and one of the things he was talking about is there are four people involved in the you know in the decision making, but there's actually maybe like one or two people that handle the day to day business side of things um, so basically Sofia Alonso went back to just doing what she was doing prior to that um, Chavo Luteroth III who had always been the the handling the finances and you know the business side of things he's he's still kind of doing that but um, now they've kind of brought back Chavo Luteroth II who is the uncle of Sofia Alonso and the person who was actually uh, given the power back in 1974-75 as the as the person to you know when Salvador Luteroth the the first um, decided to step down from running the day-to-day operations he passed it over to his son Salvador Luteroth the second who is Chavo Luteroth and he basically uh, when he took over that's when the whole you know the, the guy's talent decided that there were one of the first things that he did back then was that he wanted to phase out the the older guys and wanted to like he also wanted to change some of the finance financial um deals that they had at that point in time and a lot of the wrestlers weren't pleased about it so like in 1974 a lot of the guys were starting to leave the promotion um this was before the ray mendoza carloff lagarde rene guajardo um those three when they left and formed el toreo this was before that that happened um you had el santo solitario um vikingo a couple of other like i think it was about a dozen guys who had actually decided to declare themselves independents. And one of the things that happened when they became independents, they were able to work uh, more outside of, um, for independent promoters throughout Mexico, but also outside of um, outside of Mexico without having to give a, a part of their pay to um, EMLL. So that led to a lot of issues. Um, Solitario, for the longest time, even when he returned to um, Arena Mexico as, a, as an independent, he always had issues with the promotion because um, because of the way this this was all handled at that time. There was still a lot of resentment towards him from the people who were in charge uh, that were still working within the office in, in EMLL. So then those guys left. But then really the big thing that happened was that in early 1975, uh, Ray Mendoza, Carlos Lagarde, um, Rene Guajardo, Ray's, Ray's kids, the Vianos, all joined together with um, a, lot, a group of in- independent promoters to form Promociones Mora, or what we know as the UWA promotion, El Toreo. So when that that kind of happened, um, that was really built because of the whole um, dislike that they had at, at the direction that EMLL was going with when they switched over to power with Chavo Luteroth II. So then fast forward to this time, and that's exactly what's going on right now with um, a lot of the wrestlers kind of being a little bit more disgruntled because of, um, you know, they were already disgruntled because of how repetitive CML shows are and how how little guys are getting moved up. And there's a lot of resentment towards a lot of the independent guys that were brought in as well um, by the undercard guys because a lot of the undercard guys kind of look at the some of the independent guys, not so much Penta or Ray Phoenix because they those or LA Park because those guys can draw and they could go, but they were more resentful towards like the 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 you know like the the Sieber, the main mans or like the 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 foreign guys that would be brought in that you know Big Daddy guys like that that 
couldn't work and there was a lot of good like even like there's even like within you know some of the CML guys like Bestia and Volcano and Cranio who have been moved up higher in the card there's a lot of like the, the younger guys who kind of don't understand why they're getting passed over for guys who they don't view at at their level so you have this change with you know now you have four people involved making the making decisions and so now that instead of like one person being the you know the 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 final say in everything now you have these four people making decisions so of, of course you're not going to have everybody agreeing on everything that that's kind of led to a lot of um a lot more issues we started hearing stories about how cmll was going to cut back on the independent talent and we have seen that they've really not been booking any indie talent since that time what they did continue to go with was that they they were continuing to build up the Seber, the main man versus ultimo guerrero hair match this has had some of the worst matches, um, some of the worst finishes in, in, in CML shows with, you know, with really bad um, sloppy finishes uh, with the guys just not really caring. And we're also kind of starting to see that as well. Um, if you've noticed, like in the last, it's been something that's gone on in Lucha Libre over the years. I mean, sloppy finishes have existed in Lucha Libre, you know, AAA and CML. It's always independence. It's all, there's always sloppy finishes. Uh, it's not just the, it's not just something that, um, that started now but if you watch a lot of cml in the last couple like months the, it's gotten even lazier it's gotten a lot sloppier the, the, the finishing sequences and matches have been really bad and we saw this with like the ultimo girl um Seber match where where ultimo girl um, got fouled and then Seber faked the foul and then somehow ultimo girl landed on him for the pin and then you had the narrow cut i think there was a avola jr match where where he fouled somebody and and the referee clearly is watching is looking at their at the direction of when um, Volador Jr. fakes the foul and he still calls it a DQ and it, it's just a really sloppy um, situation right now in CMLL. So that's been going on with um, with the top half of, of, of CML with you know the Seber and Ultimo Guru feud. But then as 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 CML started announcing, um, they made the announcement that um, that the anniversary show would be happening on on September 27th. And right before that, we started hearing all the you know while, while this is all going on in August all the changes and and as they're getting ready to announce the the anniversary um, date uh, we hear um, Sangres Deca leaves CMLL Triton leaves CMLL and both of them kind of like started getting a lot of independent bookings um, Nacion Lucha Libre already got um, Sangres Deca work has already worked for them a few times Triton's gotten a way more bookings through as an independent it's it's kind of led to um, more more guys kind of like thinking maybe they should leave. The the date that they announced the CMLL show, a lot of people immediately noticed that that was the same night that Ring of Honor was going to have a show in Las Vegas, and I think even before that was an, the 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 anniversary show was announced, it was already announced that Roosh was going to um, challenge uh, Matt Taven for the Ring of Honor title. So already, when they announced the date for the anniversary, people already knew that Roosh wasn't going to be on that show, which was very surprising and very confusing to many people, many fans at that point. And so they continued on, you know, I think maybe like a week later or two weeks later, they, they decided to announce the anniversary card. And as soon as they announced the anniversary card, there were so many CML guys complaining about the the lineup 
Um, even people on the show were kind of like disappointed <laughs> on the in the lineup. I mean, I don't think I don't think in all my time following CMLL or EMLL, and this goes back to like the the mid '80s. I don't think I've ever seen so many guys publicly complain about the anniversary lineup. And then it even like got even worse when Caristico was on on, on Informa. I think it was maybe I think it was last week. They asked him about the anniversary and he kind of made the comment that he doesn't see, think this anniversary seems as big as previous anniversaries. And he was kind of inter- disappointed. And now you imagine this is a guy who like is back in CML, who's like one of their biggest stars. And he's talking about how disappointing the anniversary card is and how it doesn't feel like it's a, it, it it's kind of lost its um its luster or its um attraction to fans. And it kind of did because I think I think a lot of people when they saw that lineup were totally disappointed in it. It was a horrible looking lineup. Really, the, the, the one positive match that was announced was the Microman versus Chamuel match and mass match. And but everything else, I mean, if you're gonna base if you're gonna base your opinion on, on on an anniversary card, you always talk about like the two big matches. You could fill out the rest of the card with good matches, and odds are, it's not gonna matter because you screwed up the top two matches. And at this this point, CML made the mistake of, I mean, the whole press conference first of all was horribly hand- mishandled. They they basically instead of just announcing that it was a cage match. They had everybody t- um, show up, and you know, they first they had the guys who had just been involved in the Grand Prix um, finish, where everybody was talking, arguing between Nero Casas, Volador Junior, Carbonario, and Big Daddy, and so you have all these guys arguing about that, and all of them were saying how they wanted a, a singles match, a singles hair match. It didn't matter who it was. Volador Jr. said it didn't matter if it was Carvinario versus him or him versus Nero Casas or Carvinario versus Big Daddy or Casas versus Big Daddy or anything, any combination. They thought a singles match was the ideal thing. All of them said that. So then Sieber, the main man, Ultimo Guerra, and Gilbert get brought up on, on stage. And they all kind of kept going with the whole, well, there should be singles matches or there should be at least be a three-way match. Uh, we don't know why we're all here. You know, they kind of were kind of, not very pleased. They weren't very um, excited about a cage match. Then they announced the, you know, then they um, they have Julio Cesar Rivera announced that that they should have a. Um, they're going to let the wrestlers decide what the match will be. Now all these guys said that they wanted singles matches or even the three way match that Sieber and and Gilbert and and Ultima Guerrero had said. What happens? Um, they come out and they announce that it's going to be a cage match. And I don't think any of those guys were very pleased. I don't think, I don't think, I think half the guys were pleased with it. Um, some of them just didn't care. And then may, I would say like two of, I would say Ultimo Guerrero, Guerrero and, and Sieber were probably the ones that were pleased. Um, Gilbert and, and Big Daddy probably didn't care. And I would assume Carvernario, Nero Casas and Volador Jr. probably were like not happy about it. Um, but they were going to do it anyway. So it didn't, it, it, it didn't matter. And I'm, I mean, it just made CML look really dumb. And um, so we got the cage match um, that was announced. They announced the entire lineup. Like I said, everybody was disappointed on, in it. No announcement of how the show was going to be tele- um, airing on on live stream, televised, online. It didn't. They did not mention any of that. Uh, while this was going on, PWG Battle of Los Angeles. They started announcing uh, participants in this, and two of the first two of the participants that are announced are Dragon Lee versus Barbara Carvernario. Um, everybody is shocked and excited because they're going to get to see Dragon Lee and Barbara Carvernario in a battle of Los Angeles. Um, this is 
probably the biggest independent tournament, the biggest independent shows every year. I mean, it's been that way for the past couple of years, and that's what how everybody viewed it. Um, everybody was confused also because uh, you know C- CML guys don't get to work with Triple um, A, you know, show, on shows with Triple A talent, and this show they announced phoenix and penta and by this point in time they're kind of now viewed as triple um, a guys and cml made it known that they did not really want privately it was mentioned that carvernario couldn't work the show because um they didn't want him working uh, on shows with triple um, a talent and it wasn't just them i think there was a couple of other guys who were announced that were triple a affiliate while well, taurus obviously and a couple of other people and um so then carvernario back to, um, decided he would stick with um, the decision that CML came with. Although, honestly, I think at some point, this is going to be a, a, a point where guys are going to have to decide. They're going to reach the point where they, they got to they decide what's best for their careers. And I get the feeling at some point, it's going to be going, becoming independence, um, especially because this, you know, P- PWG Battle of Los Angeles or any PWG show, that's a good, um, that gets far more exposure at an international level than than a, a C- than CML shows, which is shocking because CML shows are there on YouTube for free. You could see them all the time, but for whatever reason, promoters, uh, people with power within the, the the wrestling business, they don't watch. They're more likely to see them on PWG shows than anything else or New Japan shows. And um, so Carvinario pulls out of the show. Dragon Lee Sticks continues on. He was announced in one of the most random uh, trios matches on the anniversary of Relevos Increíbles. He was going to team up with Gran Guerrero and um, Euphoria against Niebla Roja, Angel de Oro, and Mephisto. It was weird because that was where he was placed. And then on the semi-main event, they had the NGD defending the Mexican National Trios titles against Mystico Carisco and Valiente. And you would have thought that that would have been, Dragon League would have been better fit in that trio and had him take um, Valiente's spot in that match. And that it, that ended up not being the case. So they had him in that, in that lower match, trios match. And the way it was positioned, it kind of just looked like it was with Soberano Jr. not on the card. It kind of looked like that was just at some point they were just going to switch that over to Soberano Jr. taking that spot, especially because there was a lot of rumors even before that, that that Dragon Lee might be at on the wrestling on the Ring of Honor show. So there was already that going prior to the, the lineup being announced. So, you know, that kind of just led to confusion. Um, Dragon Lee was asked about why he was why he was pulled from the anniversary show and he had no real response to it um he ended up going and wrestling on the ring of honor show i'm sure that thrilled off i'm sure that that was i mean i'm sure when ring of honor got the call from dragon lee that he could work the show i'm sure they were thrilled about it it was one of those things where it just got very confusing i don't know it just was really weird they they kind of just they just kind of like they, they they made the change nothing went about nothing came about it um, there was no other comments. Nobody made any um, announcement. Meanwhile, Dragon Lee and Roosh were not making, uh, were not appearing on lineups for CML shows. You know, throughout the the the, the lineups that they were releasing, they weren't on anything. So, um, and th- that was something that I think a lot of people were starting to wonder about, like what's going on with all of that. So then, dur- during the the middle of the week, uh, Roosh announces that he ha- he is starting up a YouTube channel. Um, and he actually, I think he only had like 1.8 thousand, um, subscribers and he made the comment 
on his um on his Twitter account that there would be a big announcement coming on Monday. I think Dragon Lee was kind of thrown in that as well because Dragon Lee also tweeted out something about not- noticias news, and that kind of like started the you know get the rumor mill run- churning that you know something's gonna happen, and it kind of it it wasn't it wasn't really you know. I think everybody kind of had an idea that something was going on because they weren't on, like I said, they weren't on CML shows. They weren't being announced on shows. And so there was going to be something that was going to happen. The The September 30th Wrestling Observer Newsletter issue mentioned that there were problems behind the scenes in CMLL. Um, Chavo Luteroth was making financial decisions at that point. And they had decided to make a couple of changes to um, how they handled talent. Um, one of them was that they were going to increase the cut that the promotion would get from M- uh, the American promoters or promoters outside of Mexico. And they were also going to increase the price for talent on those American promoters. So that kind of led to one issue for a lot of the talent. And then the second thing that they did was that they were going to um, cut down the guarantees on some of the top stars. Um, it was it was mentioned that the guys who... Um, were already like the big names, you know, guys, legends, or, you know, the more known headline guys like um, Atlantis, Blue Panther, Nero Casas, Ultimo Guerrero. I think Volador Jr. is also in that group. They weren't going to be getting the pay cuts that the other guys were going to get, but everybody else was going to get pay cuts and, you know, have to deal with this new, um, this whole new situation that's going on. I think even Mascareño Dos Mil, when he made the comment that he was working, um, uh, he was going to, He's gonna be working in um, fewer shows. I think he had already. I think he had already seen when he got the news. I think he kind of realized that it was better for him just to like not really stress out about this stuff. So then the next thing that came out was that with the CML anniversary pay per view, everybody was anniversary show. Everybody was trying to figure out what where it was gonna air, what was gonna happen. Um, the Cubs fan found that the show was gonna be listed on Fight TV and on Honor Club. And he was the only one that announced it. It's it, it, he. He was the only one that brought it up. Nobody else. CML did not bring it up. Uh, Fight TV Honor Club did not tweet about it uh, until afterwards. When uh, Fight TV on um, after you know everybody had was going through the issues. That's when they kind of brought it up. But um, with CML on CMLs and Julio Cesar Rivera about a week ago um, had mentioned that the show would not be um, airing live, and did not mention anything else. So there was no mention of how it was going to air, when it would air. Um, so everybody just assumed when this was announced that that um, that that was going to be the option if you wanted to watch it live. And um, you know you had that you had the option of paying ten dollars a month. I mentioned on my um, I mentioned on the Lucha Talk podcast, and I've even mentioned I think I, on Lucha Reports, Lucha Libre promotions are their own worst enemies when it comes to making money. And one of the things that I can guarantee you. When it comes to their live events airing online, they will be their own worst enemies because they're going to cause issues to the people who think they can make money. You know, these streaming services that think they can make money off of them, they don't realize that these promotions are just going to put, put them up for free at some point on YouTube. Uh, with, with AAA, when they did the invas- Invading New York show, you had to pay 30 bucks for that show. But one of the things I made a comment was like, why not just wait? 
AAA will probably post it for free at some point, and I think they probably will anyways on their YouTube channel on the you know when when it ends up airing on or when it's it ends up airing on on TV Azteca or, or wherever else it airs. Um, they did air they did show it for free on, on in Mexico um, on Canal Space and also TV Azteca recently. So so all you gotta do is wait, and you know people didn't listen to me when I said that. Um, a handful of people did. They, a handful, a handful of people said that they did. Um, they decided to wait. We were shocked when uh, it ended up being on Access TV. I did not see that one coming. Um, apparently, it's going to be on El Rey Network as well for free. No one saw that coming. Um, I'm sure that pretty much upset every single person that paid for the that show. So then, when CMLL does this and they they decide that they're not going to tell you if how it's going to air, but then you have these other companies. American companies thinking that hey you know we can make a mon- we can make a c- money off of these um these um events on our streaming services let's put it up for 10 bucks which is really the the price that that CML will go with no matter what and there's no mention from CML so you kind of had a hint that that was going to happen so 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 what ends up happening was these these, these companies end up looking like they're idiots because CML when they said they weren't gonna, not going to stream it live, they meant they were not going to stream it live at all. Not just them, but nobody worked involved with the service was going to get it. So then as the show went on, a couple of people paid for it. And one of the things that was going on was that they were complaining about how the stream was not starting up. Um, there was issues. I think I think um, a couple of minutes later, um, I think it might have been like a half hour later, Fight TV answered somebody's um um, Twitter question about the show, and they said that there was a, commu- a miscommunication error with um, with how the streaming service go- was going to be handled through their um, provider, and they apologized. But you know, it made them look bad. And now you have this issue where these all the, what money are they possibly going to make from the people that were going to pay for that show? Because hours later, I mean, within an hour af- or two hours after the show finished. It was posted onto the YouTube channel on the CML YouTube channel, so my advice: go get your refund because I mean this this, it, it and and maybe just learn your lesson. I mean it, honestly, I think people don't realize this is going to go on every single time. Um, wait at least the weekend. So we get to the CMLL show, and as that's going on, they're they're um, you know the CML Twitter account is tweeting out the results and getting you know. Uh, some very negative um, tweets directed towards them as this show is going on. Not just from, I mean, from some people that are kind of known um, big time fans. They're just like ripping on them. Super Luchas. Um, one of the guys from um, from another podcast was ripping on them. A bunch of different people were just very upset about it. While this show is going, while, while the CML show is going on, Ring of Honor show is also going on. And what happens around the time that the cage match is going to start Roosh wins the the ROH heavyweight title and within a few minutes after he's getting like congratulated for that within a few minutes he tweets out a video where he and his dad Bestia the Ring make the announcement that they are going independent and we're no longer part of CMLL they didn't say they were no longer part of CMLL they just said they were going independent for all we know, they could have said they probably were. They could have all. They could have said we're going independent. We'll take some dates with um, CML, but that's not the case. They were. They just said they were going independent, and since they were part of Ring of Honor, maybe that could have been something they could have worked out with. You know, with CML, whatever that was going on. 
But that ended up happening. Mystico, I think everybody started talking about because Dragon Lee had already mentioned the news thing earlier and he was also at at the Ring of Honor show. People kind of assumed he might be also leading. But um and then Mystico had just rustled. So then Mystico ends up wishing his dad and his um his brother well in their, you know, in the next phase of their careers. And he doesn't he decides that he's he does not mention that he's leaving. Um and and that kind of like that kind of leads to um the next step in the whole thing. The cage match comes to an end, anniversary show ends, and within about an hour or so, CMLL sends out a press release announcing that they fired Roosh and Dragon Lee due to not being in line with CML and the programming department's plans. So really it was the whole Dragon Lee's issue was the whole you know, it, it, it wasn't just the Battle of Los, Los Angeles, but it really was how he was getting a lot of independent bookings. And I'm guessing that was kind of causing some scheduling conflicts with CMLL's schedule. Same thing was going on with Roosh, where he was kind of getting booked in Ring of Honor, and he kind of preferred working Ring of Honor than, than CMLL. Especially, I mean, honestly, if he's not going to be part of the... I, I would assume, honestly, I would think, because the odd number ca- guys in the cage, it being seven guys... I would not be shocked that Roosh was scheduled to be in that cage match in the in the minds of the programming department and them not really realizing that Roosh was already booked for the for the Ring of Honor show. I would not be shocked that that was one of the things that that was an issue and they took it personally on that on their on their behalf and that's probably what they were probably cuz you have certain people in the promotion that are, you know, you have a lot of like you have a lot of people involved that are kind of now leading trying to like you know, gain some power within the promotion. So I would not be shocked that that was kind of one of the things that whoever had it against Roosh at that point kind of saw that as the, the as the as the final nail of the coffin for um for Roosh. So then Dragon Lee is um, decides right after that was announced that that they were fired. Dragon Lee posts that he was surprised that he was um that he was fired. He did not want to leave. He actually wrote. In, on on his um on his social media accounts that he had no intention like he he knew that that his dad and his and his brother were leaving but he still planned on staying with with CMLL because he was still loyal to CMLL and um he had actually talked about how um how he he thanked Paco Alonso for the opportunity but you know he said well I guess I got to move on and it's 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 just shocking because if you watch Dragon Lee in interviews I don't think there is a guy who did more as far as like where the CMLL, um, you know, represented CML as well as he did outside of the promotion because that guy was like, you know, even when he would do Informa, like most of these guys look like it's a chore for them to be on Informa. And this guy actually liked being on that show, which which was mind boggling. He was one of the few guys who really loved being on, on on CMLL shows. You go back to him talking about how how he used to attend shows when he was a kid, and he would he would sit next to the announcers just to like hear them call the matches and and bug them to ask them about who the guys were and what they thought of the matches. You hear about all the stories that he had about CML. So this is I I pretty I'm pretty sure this hurt this hit uh, this hit Dragon Lee hard. And I do believe that he was very much surprised and disappointed with the decision CML made. And there's really no backing out of it now. I don't think CML is going to back out and say, especially now that if you know that they're trying to save money or like find ways to like cut down on 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 salary, this is probably the easiest way for them to have salary cut. I mean, I would not be shocked if they keep like you see more talent starting to leave um, the promotion and then being perfectly fine with it. 
So then that happens, and what happens like within like a couple of like an hour after that, CMLL uploads the anniversary show to their YouTube channel. So you know that ends up happening. You know that's that's kind of like the whole um, the whole big story of the the, the of, of a Friday night, a crazy night. Now everybody's trying to figure out what's going to happen with Roosh and Dragon Lee and CMLL and their relationships with New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, I think uh, with Roosh, he still has a contract with Ring of Honor through twenty twenty. So I would think he's probably just going to continue with them in the same um, the same way that. Um, Bandito works for Ring of Honor. Um, I don't know if that's going to lead to an issue with CMLL as far as how they're going to handle that. They allowed Roosh to sign with Ring of Honor, so I don't think they're going to be able to say anything about how um, they can't ha- use him or whatever. That's pretty much, he's now kind of like in that role with Bandito. I think the one thing they might ask say, uh, Ring of Honor is that they can't have um, CMLL guys work against Roosh. That would be my, my only guess. I think that's going to happen also with, with them, with Roosh and Dragon Lee on the independence, where now you're not going to have any of the CML. I'm guessing um, they're going to be sending a lot of um, a lot of these shows that were already announced that had CML guys, shows that had CML guys that had Roosh and Dragon Lee on them. I'm guessing now you're just pretty much Dragon Lee is going to get pulled out of those shows and Roosh also, and they're probably going to be replaced by other guys. And then the shows that are, are, are had booked maybe like two or three guys, and had Dragon Lee as one of the guys, they're probably going to pull out the... They're going to have to have the the promoter decide what he wants, whether he wants to stick with um, the one, you know, Dra- Dragon Lee or Roosh, or you keep the CML guys. And I think that's going to... It's the same thing that happened with um, with L.A. Park a couple... And, and Dr. Wagner Jr. when they um, when they left CML a couple years ago, where promoters were kind of told to decide on what they were going to do. And a couple of them just stuck with the with the L.A. Parks and, Dragon, and Dr. Wagner Jr. Just because, honestly, once you do a show... Money is like money is the the answer to everything when it comes to promoters. And odds are, like if you if you could get the, who's hotter during that time as far as drawing more fans, you're gonna go with that. And then at some point, you could always just go back to working with CMLL or in that or you know one of the other promotions, AAA. It's not it the the, the it, there's they don't really close the door on on using talent. They just don't want you to use them on on certain shows. And then they get over it once they see the money that you're willing to throw at them. I think the bigger news really is Dragon Lee's completely independent now. Um, He has no contract with anyone. Um, I honestly think if I was AEW, I would sign him right now. I mean, I would go, I would have somebody go over and, and, and like deal, like give him a contract and bring him in and have him be like the, the surprise a debut for one of the the first couple of shows week three or week four whenever because you know that's one of the things that i think AEW definitely needs i was talking about this with a couple of friends of mine that i i noticed that you know if AEW wants to get like they don't have that big surprise that they could bring in right now um i don't think dragon lee's like this huge surprise level guy but you know just bringing him in and him being so good he's already like one of the better guys like he'd be he'd already be one of their top guys like you know, just being a guy that can actually work and do what he does, I I think I would I would compare it to like when WCW brought in you know Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, um, Dean Malenko. You know those guys when when Nitro started up, um, they became such a they really kind of held them off from from appearing on on WCW shows 
till the Nitro shows started. Um, they were mostly doing, you know, tapings. And those the shows they were getting taped for were really going to start airing around the same time that WCW Nitro was going to start. So I think that's kind of like what, I think Dragon Lee could be that type of level of guy where they could bring him in like that. Um, not the, not the like Lex Luger level of Nitro uh, appearance where you're, who's, do you know who that is type uh, but more of a, you know, this guy's really good and, and he's a great addition to our roster. Uh, one, one promotion's loss is one promotion's gain. That's kind of what I see it as. Um, as far as AAA goes, I know they've been wanting to bring in um, WCML guys for the longest time, especially the guys who are disgruntled. I could see those guys showing up at some point, um, especially once, especially, I mean, I could see Dragon Lee going right away because he would immediately be a guy um especially right now that they don't have um loretto kid and mysticies jr i could see dragon dragon lee coming in and working one of those um you know filling out one of those luchador suppressa spots um roosh i could see that happening at some point i don't know how it's gonna politically how it's gonna work because of the ring of honor relationship with cmll and new japan so it's I, well with, with with roosh it's more ring of honor new japan isn't that new japan really is more of a dragon lee thing but i don't think that's gonna be a i have a feeling that that's that those relationships who knows what's going on with those uh we haven't seen a new japan guy since the the liger retirement and I kind of think that was more Liger doing that than anything else. Um, Kawado-san has not been seen. Nobody's around from New Japan. So that's now like a huge, um, a, a big void that's going on right now. Our big question mark, what's, what's going to happen with CML New Japan and Ring of Honor? If I was Ring of Honor, I would probably side with um, Roosh. And honestly, if I was Ring of Honor, I'd try to get Dragon Lee to come in as well. And, you know, right there you have Dragon Lee and Roosh suddenly... They're like your. They would be your biggest stars of your promotion. Um, those two with Bandito and the guys that they have, the roster, that should be that would strengthen the roster. I think the thing that that's kind of been one of the negatives for CMLL in dealing with um, Roosh and Dragon Lee. I think since like maybe two three years ago, when there were rumors that um, you know CM. Um, WWE there was constant rumors of WWE looking to expand into Latin America and they were trying to get more talent from from Mexico and and you would see like Regal at shows um Sarah Stock would be at indie shows as well and and there was a lot of stories about oh they're trying to bring in talent um Sombra made the jump and then there were rumors that Roosh was going to leave as well when those rumors started and it happened even with like guys like La, La Mascara Mystic um, Bolador Jr. for a bit, Mystico Averno. A lot of those guys, when whenever rumors would come up, they kind of like their um, push or how well they were booked was always like there was like a there would be like a bit of a drop on what they were doing. And I think Roosh, even like even the last two three years, if you he's yeah he's part of the Ingobernables, but he really wasn't like the main focal point in the promotion, um, other than you know doing the random non-stop ingobernables on um, relevos incredibles matches um so so that's kind of like the it's kind of always been that way for a while for the last three years at least and then dragon lee also that kind of started happening too when um when there were rumors that he might you know he was already working getting more of a name and wrestling in new japan and and getting more bookings it always kind of seemed like he was still not the top guy he was never like really elevated that highly um, you kind of see that the guys that CML's been pushing are the guys who they they kind of view as the guys that are a little more um, less not lo not loyal, 
but more likely to stick with them, like Ultimo Guerrero, Volador Jr., um, Carver Nario. You know, these guys have kind of like been more of um, guys who will stick with them. One of the things I, I should mention is that um, when when people were talking about how how did that how did um how did Dragon Lee and Carver Nario get the the PWG booking? Um, Hechicero was um, telling me that um, his booking came through him. So when he went to PWG and he's kind of, he kind of said that he's a lot, most of his bookings, as far as independents go, the independent promoters go to him and then he clears it with the promotion. And what, if the promotion says yes, then he can work those shows. But if they say no, I think he has to like stick with the, he abides by the rule with CMLL. Um, he sides with them. So that's kind of what happened with Dragon Lee where he kind of said, you know, I could do it. I don't care what, if they, if they get mad, I'll get it resolved at some point. And unfortunately um, that, that was not the the situation. And honestly, I think even them leaving, it's I think it, it's not going to hurt them. I think at some point it was going to happen anyways. It kind of felt like it kind of felt like CMLL is doing them a favor because the last year of Dragon Lee has really been just him kind of like going through the motions, working, you know, random trios matches and him kind of saying that that's kind of what it feels with CMLL. CMLL shows have really been very boring the last couple of months last year or so i mean it's it's not it's it hasn't been like you don't get the you know other than the independent guys coming in there really hasn't been like a lot of um hot periods in cml like like there were in the past it's kind of just feels like they're just going through the motions running trios matches or their their latest craze their love of the relevos increíbles matches it's kind of just feels like that's what they're doing so that's really i think that's really what's going on with um dragon lee and rouge they they, they're gone and um, CML posted the anniversary show and I guess I should run through the anniversary show because um, I thought it was a it wasn't it wasn't very good I would say it was I, I wouldn't say it was a disappointment because I knew going in I wasn't going to be that excited I don't even think like I, I would say like if you were going to want to watch the show and only had like instead of spending two and two hours three hours of your of your day watching the show and you just wanted to watch the two matches or the matches that were the best ones. I would say watch the watch the Mike Rose mask match and watch the the National Trios title matches match. I think those two matches are the ones that you should watch. And everything else you could probably just skip. Um, the first two matches, the trios matches, were okay. Um, there was some good per- the first match, um, Audaz, Reiko Meta, and Stigma beat Mysterioso Jr., Tiger, and Virus. I thought Virus, Tiger, Reiko Meta, and Audaz looked great. Audaz and Virus in particular were on fire in the match. But then you also had Stigma and Mysterioso Jr. And Mysterioso Jr. wasn't horrible, but he just wasn't there at the level of the other four. I mean, it was you, you watch this match and it's like you're watching, you know, four guys who are just going having this really good match. And then you, whenever they would tag out and bring in Stigma and Mysterioso Jr., the quality of the match would just drop off. Um, Stigma was horrible. I thought he was awful in this match. I think Stigma right now, if you told me what his place should be in CML, he, they should switch him over to Rudo. And he should work opening matches as a Rudo because I think he's better than the Rudos that they have working out opening matches right now. Um, better than the I don't not not Coyote and Graco. I'm talking about you know Espiritu, uh, Espiritu Negro, um, Hijo Signo, and um, I forgot who the other guy is. There's another one that's horrible. Um, 
Oh, Espanto Jr. Those three. They're, he's better than those three guys. I think he would. And, and you know, he's athletic, so at least he he could be something. I don't know if he's a, how good of base he is, but he's got to be better than those guys. And um, But like I said, Aldaz, the other guys, they looked really good. But the match was at best okay. The second match was even, I would say, even less. I think this was definitely just okay. I thought Dulce Gardenia and Echicero looked good, but... And Titan did good as well, but everybody else, um, Viano, Hijo of Viano three does not look like he's. I mean, I, I'm I don't I I'm still kind of in the middle with him. I'm sure he'll improve at some point because he's still young, but he's still at that point where he's kind of still just not not quite there, and it's going to be harder for him because his brother is just killing it in AAA, and he just looks so like like he's not even he's probably like ten percent as good as his brother, and that's not a good thing. And then Ray Bucanero did not look good in this match. And Diamante Azul looks so fat in this match. I really hope. I know um, Rob Viper said this on the on the, on the pod on the Como Estas podcast. That that he thinks maybe Diamante Azul and Vangelis being friends of Rush, they might actually jump as well. That might be the one positive in all this. Um, if those two guys leave, I will be very happy. Um, Diamante Azul, not only is he is he a horrible wrestler, he's a horrible professional. He is not a, a guy I really care about. But this match was horrible. It lasted two falls, and it was not good. The third match was the worst match on the show. I think I think it was the worst match on the show. The match itself was, I thought it was like okay. But the finish was so bad. This is what I was talking about, how there's so many bad finishes now on, C- on CML shows. Even the previous match had a had a mass pull that looked so ridiculous. And they... they, they Although the thing is, like at least that was a DQ that wasn't that bad. But this match, Dallas Metallica, Metallica retained the Mexican women national title. Metallica looked better than she did in the Universal Final, which wasn't that hard to do because she was horrible in that one. I mean, she was just bad in that one. But in this one, she was slightly better. But that finish was so bad. The finish is basically like, um, I think Metallica was trying to roll up. She grabbed... Dallas's arms and tried to like pin her, roll her up for a pin, but then like she was she was supposed to use the ropes, but she was so far away from the ropes that she she had to like like pull herself. She kind of had to pull Dallas and grab her grab the the ropes by her legs and like barely use the ropes as leverage. And when she did that, Dallas's shoulder is clearly not even touching the the the, the mat. It's like totally o- off it. And then, um, so then they have Tigre Infante, the referee, still count the three count. And the crowd just boos the finish because they could clearly see that her, 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 her shoulders are not on the mat. It is a horrible finish. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this was some, I'm sure it was a mistake. I mean, I, it's, there's other, I mean, even, even if, even if Dallas wanted it to be, look, in a way where she was unbeatable. I mean, the fact that Metallica was going to reach the ropes to get the pin because that was going to be the finish no matter what. I mean, that that kind of was her way of like showing that she was she she had to cheat to beat her. So, but the way that it came about looked so bad, the placement where they were at, and then they went to a replay. And when they went to the replay, it looked so horrible. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen a finish so bad. The crowd even booed louder. The announcers couldn't even defend it. They were just talking about how it looked so bad as well. It was just a bad finish. Horrible match. I mean, it match, okay match, but it just became a horrible finish and just I didn't I did not like it at all. Could have wasted 
Then we get to the Relevos Increíbles match. Angel de Oro, Mephisto, Niebla Roja beat Euphoria, Grand Guerrero, and Sobrano Jr. This also ended in two falls as well. And this was um, actually not bad. It was pretty good if you saw what Sobrano Jr., Euphoria, and Grand Guerrero were doing. Um, Sobrano Jr., I think he, I think he must have realized he was gonna have, um, he was gonna get, he was gonna be getting a little bit more of an opportunity going forward because he stepped up and he's looked, he looked really good in this. Um, in this match, but Grand Girl Euphoria are really good as a tag team. Um, I think that's the sad thing. And you know, Chavez brothers are also good tag team, but but the Chavez brothers are gonna are very much disliked by by the CMLL crowd because they the you know they're good looking tag team, and the fans just hate the. It's bad enough that they hate the Technicals, but the fact that these guys are good looking, they're even like it's even added to that. And so now you have um, you have um, this match is going on. And it's actually not that it was actually I thought it was an okay match, but then it ends in two falls. And the post match, the post match has the Chavez brothers wanting grabbing the mic and wanting a shot at the at the tag titles. And the crowd just booed them so loudly. It was pretty good, though, cool though, because um Angel de Oro laughed about it and and kind of like they kind of like trying to were trying to build it up as like, you know, they didn't care about the fans like booing them. But I think that kind of shows you what the direction of the of how um, the CML crowds are responding to wrestlers now, where they're very pro rudo in certain search situations against the technicals that they just don't like, and because I mean th- the only rudo that got booed in this entire show was actually Chamuel, and that kind of tells you that that means if you have a technical that the fans can get behind, they will cheer that technical. Unfortunately, they're not. They do not have a technical that is at that level, and they're not really developing anybody to be a, a, a beloved technical. They're all just getting booed no matter what. So, and then there's no way of like there's no way of doing it because you're 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 not um the the Rudos aren't really helping in that cause either, and you just lost one of the guys who could probably do have done that in Rouge, and so so um that match. The 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 po- like I said, just watch the post match and you'll you'll enjoy that just because of the reaction that the Chavez brothers get. Um, that was then followed by the Micros mass match where Microman beat Chamuel. This match was really good. I think this was probably one of the better matches. On- this was be- definitely the best match on the show. Uh, this was actually excellent. Honestly, I I, I think I think people are, are are I think a lot of people are going to be negative on this on this show no matter what because of all the news that happened on that Friday night. And how it was handled and, and everything that happened. People are just going to be so negative on everything that happens on this show. So a lot of people were very down on this match. But it was excellent. I thought it was excellent. Microman did a a dive off the stage. Which was awesome. Um, the crowd really was behind him the entire match. Uh, the crowd was... This was like the one time the crowd was really cheering for the baby face. And... They were booing Chamuel. They started doing a, a, an asshole chant for for Chamuel. These two guys delivered. Microman ended up winning with the code red, which was awesome. And you know they did they did the post match unmasking. It was done really well with with Microman uh, putting over Chamuel on the mic and telling him that you know he was he was he was a very worthy opponent but now it was time for him to unmask and give him the his mask and chamuel you could see him getting emotional he was doing the whole crying he was tearful and stuff and what ended up happening he unmasked 
Um, he unmasked as um, Jose Francisco Garcia Cruz, I believe, 13 years a wrestler from Puebla. And he, it was a, very well done. Um, this was the one segment that, the one match, the one segment that was done well. And, you know, when you watch CML, that's like, this is what you kind of want them to promote because this is what they do very well. And it's not necessarily them. It's more the talent, the wrestlers who are in it because Micro Man and Chamuel actually built this feud up well. This was the one feud that actually was built up throughout the weeks. This is the one thing that, you know, throughout all this, like these issues that CML was going through, this was actually the one thing that was the positive that was going on, the Chamuel Micro Man feud. And they delivered in their in the big stage. Um, really good match. Um, highly recommend that match. Um, fun, fun match. And then that was followed by the the Mexican National Trios title match as the NGD, Sanson, Cuatrero, Forastero beat Caristico, Mystico, and Valiente to retain the titles. Um, that was a pretty good match as well. I thought that was probably the second best match on the card. But honestly, I think th that was the type of match that we've already seen on a lot of Friday shows. So I think that's kind of like the one thing I have I have to hold against it. That, And not just Friday shows, any other um, CML show. I think that's the repetition the, the repetitiveness of these uh, of the CML trios matches. This would have been nice if it if they would have like added a third guy. Like it's funny, Mystico um, kind of was insulted when 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 a fan suggested Aldaz should be the third member of a trio with him and and Caristico, and then Caristico totally went on and defended Aldaz and actually suggested Aldaz, Super Astro Junior, and Sonic as guys that they that would be great. And um, I think that's something that they they. That's something CML, I think that would have been kind of cool if they would have added one different guy in, in that trio. I mean, how many times can have we seen the same trio? It's always th those three and then, or you throw in Volador Jr. I think it, I think they needed at least one guy who was different in this that, that would have given me something different. Like, at least given the fans something different. Um, the cage match, Nero Casas lost his the hair, his hair to Ultimo Guerrero. Um you know, about what you expected from the cage. I don't think it was as horrible as it could have been. It was funny because they put up the, the, the timer for the three minutes before the guys could escape. And Big Daddy, like, as soon as he got into the cage, was already trying to escape the cage. And he was actually the first person to, to escape. Um, the order uh, of escape was Big Daddy was first, followed by Gilbert, then Carvinario, Volador, and then Sieber. And then Ultimo Guerrero and Nero Casas had their match to determine who would lose the the hair, their hair, and Ultimo Guerrero won, and that kind of explains how the the whole power shift within the promotion. Um, Ultimo Guerrero has so much more power. Um, I was talking about this um, on my Twitter account where I, uh, you know, we see AAA kind of debuting a lot of, um, you know, guys using old gimmicks. You have the Octagon Junior. Um, Abismo Negro Jr. and uh, Mysticis Jr. and then um, Bengala and you know constantly and even going back years Mascara Sagrada Jr. Mascara um, La Parca and all these guys I kind of have a feeling that coming out of this uh, we might end up getting another Dragon Lee by sometime next year and I already think I know who's going to be that person because I've seen the I'll just give you guys a hint on here I think it's going to be a, a Lagunero who isn't right now in CMLL but he's working on um, independence in Mexico City and is training in CML's um, um, wrestling school. And the only reason I think that's because I think there's going to be, with Ultimo Guerrero gaining more power, I would assume there's going to be more power um, on the Lagunero side where you're going to see a lot more of those guys kind of show up and appear on, on CMLL shows. Um, maybe not right now. And 
but you at some point you're really seeing a lot of the most of what you're seeing as far as talent coming into CMLL, you're not gonna see the top talent. What you're gonna probably see is a lot of the undercard guys or younger guys who they can pretty much, you know, sell on the idea that, oh, we're in CMLL, you know, this is the top promotion, and these guys will be happy just to be working shows for about the next the, the next year or two or three years. And um, you know, guys like Mano Negra Jr., um, Redentor, guys like that. And whoever else they have in the wrestling school, I'm sure at some point they'll come in. Not maybe not this year, but the following year. And um, so you're gonna you're gonna get those type of guys. And really, what's gonna happen is that you're probably gonna have Soberano Jr. take on the role of Dragon Lee as the as the main you know the the main young guy. And then really, Rusha's spot is basically gonna just be filled out by Ultimo Guerra and the whoever's remaining. I hope El Terrible ends up getting a little a few more bookings through this uh, in in CMLL, but. You know, even that, I'm not really sure what's going on. I do think there's going to be at least more talent from CML leaving just because I don't think this is going to, this story is not going to end. I think this is going to be a, a story that's going to continue. Uh, we've seen this whenever a promotion goes through these issues with um, ownership changes. Uh, we saw it just a few years ago with AAA when they, um, when they let go of Conan. A lot of talent left with Conan and, and, you know, even though, and then when he came back, all that talent came back with Conan. So, and even more talent came in with Conan. So that happened then. And then you also had the whole, um, when, when, um, Antonio Pena passed away, you had a lot of talent that left because they talked about how it was no longer the same. Sieber, the main man left at one point, then he came back. And then when he left again, he said the same thing. Octagon, they've all said that, um, you go back to the, the, when AAA was formed and all those guys left. They talked about how different it was. That was really when Pena left, you know, that whole, you know, the guys who were still in the CML, then they made the jump. It was because, you know, the, the guy who was the driving force in, in, in creativity was now in AAA. It goes back every year. So I'm sure there's going to be more talent that's going to leave. You know, I I would assume that we're going to get more stories about guys being disgruntled. And at some point, at some point, CML is going to have to decide what they're going to do. And unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be a good thing right now because right now, the way it's going, we're getting so many CML shows that are just so similar that it doesn't matter what happens. It, we're still going to get the same thing over and over again. Very re- repetitive, and you know, I think that's a. I think that's 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 the that's the sad thing about what's going on with CML right now. I don't think. I think. I think every. I think if you did not expect this to happen. Then you were you were clearly not following what was going on with CMLL um, or with Lucha Libre, where where somebody when when the power shift happens, and it happens even in other in other in other um, not just in wrestling, not just in Lucha Libre, but in other pro wrestling promotions and in you know other sports and entertainment and businesses. This always tends to happen. I guess this is going to be something that continues on. Um, I think that's about it for this um, for this episode. Be sure to check out my Patreon account, patreon.com slash luchaworld. I, I started up the Retro Wrestling Podcast on there. Um, a lot of old talk, talk of old wrestling, and you'll hear about some of the promotions that you know fell apart due to some of this stuff. I think that's one of the... History repeats itself, like I said. And, and what better place to find out about history repeating itself than going to my uh, Patreon page, where I have the Retro Wrestling Podcast that will cover a lot of wrestling throughout the world. And I also have the Lucha Classica podcast, which I'm actually doing a month by month um, look at, at Lucha Libre. So you're probably going to get a lot of the, you're, if you if you go through that, listen to those, you're going to get a lot of the the stories of guys actually leaving and and being and and the stories of promotions, you know, having issues and stuff like that. 
I think it's more noticeable now because of social media and, and guys being so open and there's so many more, um, you know, you get it through the YouTube videos, you know, people doing podcasts and stuff like that. Not just in the United States, but in Mexico. Check out LuchaWorld.com for the latest updates. I think I'm going to write something about this as well for the Lucha Report. And I think that's about it. Talk to you guys again soon.